pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 286. Today I'm going to chat with Tony Pignato from Staccato. Discuss lawmakers challenging credit card MCC codes, highlight a new rifle from Hera, and talk about how a Grinch tried to steal Easter. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Tony, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Before we started recording, you mentioned, and I have to laugh about this and tell listeners, but... You have your camera on. I have mine off, thank God, because you don't want to see this right now. But you have your camera on, and it literally looks like you're recording from like a, what is it called, like a retirement community? (laughs) It's an assisted living community. Thank you. (laughs) And you're all like, you have tattoos all over your arms. You look badass. You know, you're like into guns. But then it looks like, you know, you're... Like yeah. in an hour, you're going to get your snack, your jello snack or something. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited because today's craft day and we get jello. Yeah, no. no offense to anybody who lives that. I'm 100% in support of that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, actually, I think that that's what I would probably want to do when I get older because then I'll have like other people to talk to as opposed to just being lonely in my house. Because let's face it, I'm probably not going to have kids. I don't know. Well, it's interesting that, uh, you know, I had a, I had done an interview uh, slash audition slash show design one time back, way back in the day. And the guy asked me, um, one of the uh, casting directors said, he goes, so tell me about you. I go, me, man, I'm just a harvester of stories. I said, I think that's what all of us are is harvesters of stories. I said, some happy, some sad. I said, some are true. And if it's a really, really cool story, I may remove you and make myself the main character. <laughs> And uh guy was, we, he said, expand on that. I said, well, I said, if you ever see that old guy sitting on his porch, that's really, really angry. I said, the only reason he's angry is there's only two things. Either he doesn't have any stories or nobody's listening. Yeah. So with that in mind, the thing that would be advantageous to being in that. And that's why I think that uh, there's so many activities that's uh, very communal uh-huh. is because of the fact that, you know, you, it's fun to, it's fun to, you know, Misery loves company, but I think I think uh, not only does misery love company, but I think uh, happy times enjoy company too. So that's you know, like lifestyles have common. You, you can you can argue and moan about young people, those whippersnappers. Yeah. And, well, uh, actually, you know what's kind of crazy though? I heard this from a few people, but apparently there's a lot of dating going on in these assisted living places and the uh, highest rate like of STDs is typically at assistant living. Yeah, I I don't I'm just don't putting know. that out there. So, I mean, if you haven't lived your best life and you're looking to, you know, do that, that right uh, before you kick the <laughs> There's a lot of, well, science is, uh, is very prominent. Yeah. You know, people are living longer. People are able to do things longer. Uh, I was at that, uh, there was a, what, one of the comedians said something about that, like menopause was men on pause, you know, like that's, it was a hmm. break time, you know? So it was, uh, uh, yeah, there's, you know, performance through chemistry. There's a lot of that stuff. Not it's not just for being able to you know be in shape longer, but other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's I, we're, we're living longer. We're more healthy. We're conscious. Hopefully, uh, or many of us try to be. And I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's it's funny. Is when I made the uh, and I say the transition, I started shooting a dot gun, and 
you know, I called up like Max and, and JJ and some of these guys. I said, Oh my God, why didn't you guys tell me about this dot? It, you know, the dot is like Iagra, like literally, like I, you know, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I feel like I can move pretty good. I can still draw and reload pretty good. I could shoot pretty fast, but it's like, I'm, I wasn't processing information. I don't think visually as fast as I used to be able to. Mm -hmm. um, and my eyesight's still great. You know, I still have, I have to wear reading glasses, you know, when I work on the computer, but I had LASIK years ago and I'm still 2020 at distance, but the dot, I feel like I'm able to acquire the site and get immediate feedback. And I've learned a lot from shooting a dot about the things that I don't think I do. Like, I'm like, no, nah, I don't jerk the trigger. And then I'm like, Ooh, I do jerk the trigger. Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, I'm lined up in the middle of the target. I'm like, Ooh, I'm actually, I'm not. Yeah. So it's really great feedback. It's, it's been invigorating for me uh, to get back into at that point where I'm, I'm super excited to get about shooting. And then of course they just approved the, limited optics as a provisional division in USPSA. So that's going to be fun to do too. So yeah, definitely. Guy, it's going to be fun. I could just imagine they're like, all right, you know, like JJ, like, all right, we got to teach this old guy how to use a red dot. And you're like, I can't see the, I can't find the dot. Where is it? <laughs> oh, you want to hear something hysterical? Yes. So I first went out to the range and of course, Todd Jarrett uh, works with Staccato. Super great guy. I've known Todd for years. Super smart guy. And, you know, if it's been done, most of the, what's funny about most of the pros that have been doing this a long time, the Robbies, the, the Todd's, the Frank Garcia's, those guys, the, uh, there's nothing that's happened to you that you, that it's like talking to an old soldier. They, it's all happened before. And, you know, Todd was like, I was like, oh man, I'm not shooting. The dots are dumb. So I go out to the range and I literally had glasses made so I could see the front sight. Like I had a one power reader put in the right eye. So my front, my front sight's super clear. And then mm -hmm. I didn't need anything for distance. And, and it was great. And, uh, so I went out and shot a dot for the first time. And this is two months ago. You know, I've only been training Dang. with a dot for a couple months. And, um, I went out and shot a dot. And I call up Todd after the first time, like, dots are stupid. I hate dots. Dots are dumb. Dots, <laughs> dots are Democrats, right? I'm like, I hate them. And he's like, man, listen, you go out there and you need to set up practice. You know, 10 years, you get one more, more day and you be out there and you go out there and it'd be great. And I go out the, uh, I go out the second day. And by the, by the end of the second day, I'd fired another probably, you know, I'd been, I don't know, I'll, uh, practice when I was out there with the dive, probably shot 300 rounds. The next day I shot like 600. Like I was really starting to have fun. Mm -hmm. Then I call him up like, okay. And then I started like doing a, what would normally be a regular practice session. So I'm doing 700 to a 50,000 or 700 to a thousand rounds a day. And I do this for like five days and I'm eat up with it. Like, I, I don't care where it is. I can hit it. Pow mm -hmm. like, And uh, so it's super, super fun. And uh, now it's kind of, you know, invigorated all the other things like, you know, really wanting to get back. I started shooting local matches and normally I'd, I'm like, yeah, it comes on the week. I'm like, nah, you know, I'll go to an area match. Somebody who's really having, I've been getting out shooting local matches. And uh, and then the rumor coming around about the, uh, about limited optics where uh, you could shoot that in minor power factor and you can have a dot and 2011s were approved for use in it. Uh, all that stuff was just, you know, the rumors of that. And then when it finally came out yesterday, I was like, Ooh, right on, man. Yeah. Super yeah. fun. Absolutely. So. I know. I agree. All right. So before we get into the show, I'm going to talk about Smith and Wesson real quick. Mm -hmm. 
Smith & Wesson, they just unveiled the FPC, which stands for Folding Pistol Carbine, and it is chambered in 9mm. I am sort of embarrassed to admit this, but I accidentally misread the date of release, and my review went out a week early. And... They told me they were like, we're releasing it on this day, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Well, I'm Mountain Time, which is two hours, you know, before. And I, you know, set it up the night before, go to bed. I wake up to all these missed calls from employees from Smith & Wesson. <laughs> and my review is only out for an hour. But yeah, it was like all over the Internet. I took it down immediately. But at that point, people took screenshots. I was all over like reddit and some pistol forum but thankfully i was like oh man smith and weston's probably so mad at me and i'm so good about this stuff like i'm so good about you know making sure nobody because like whenever i get sent a gun i have to go to the range review it i want to make sure that i have my review ready to go so that the day that they launch it people are searching for it and they find my review on youtube and I'm always like really good about making sure like nobody sees the gun and, you know, that it's like I'm super discreet. And then this happens. And Smith & Wesson was actually really nice about it. They were like, hey, look, I mean, it sucks. But at the end of the day, we're all human and it happens. Yeah. So anyways, they did finally re-release it. The FPC is really cool. So it's chambered, like I said, nine millimeter. It is only about 16 and a half inches folded. It comes with three MP mags, so 117 round mag, and then two of them are 23 rounds. And then there's like a storage for two mags in the buttstock. It folds to the left side so that you can keep your optic on it and it'll remain mounted. It has MLOC 4 in for accessories a full length rail on the top. The barrel's threaded, so if you want to suppress it, which I think it'd be really fun to put like a little tiny suppressor on it. Best of all, MSRP is only $659. So I'm thinking at gun stores, you know, eventually they'd probably be about $600, give or take. If you guys want to find out more about the FPC, head on over to Smith-Wesson. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, Tony. So you are from Staccato, but before we start talking about hey, Staccato... Hey, man, real quick, though. What? That, F- that FPC is kind of cool. Yeah, I know. And I wow, mean, that's pretty, that's pretty dumb. I'm sorry. You're sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm, I'm like, like, I'm like, yeah, no, cool. Pretty, Welcome to two minutes ago. Cool, man. That's right. The guy from Sagato said the FPC is pretty cool. Whatever. <laughs> did you just uh, look it up? Yeah, I did. I'm a, well, I mean, remember I'm a gun guy first. So, you know, I mean, I like, I like cool stuff, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm a firm believer in rising tide raises all boats, man. And as, as long as we, we all keep making really cool stuff. That's going to keep the standards super high. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? So a lot of people were like, oh, uh, Smith & Wesson, you know, they copied Keltec. And yeah, Keltec makes a folding gun and I own it, you know, the Sub 2000. It doesn't mean that every folding gun is stolen from, you know, Keltec. And I'm pretty sure Keltec wasn't even the first people to make a folding gun. But, you know, there's also the pivot and that, you know, folds 180 degrees. And yet people were still, you know, comparing that to the Sub 2000. So it's kind of annoying because, like, look at how many ARs and different variations there are. And, you know, there's obviously there's a lot more variations on a lot of these folding guns that 
Like this one folds to the left, the Keltec, it folds up. The Pivot, like I said, it folds like 180 degrees. And it's just kind of frustrating to hear, you know, sometimes people that talk crap. But yeah, it's a cool gun. And especially for the price point, I would say definitely get it. All right. So that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like yeah. I was about to start before you just, you know, kind of it's all right. I'll just blame it on like, you know, you getting kind of elderly. That's <laughs> what happens. What I do. I get dementia. I, get I was dementia. like, yeah, that's welcome right. to welcome to the conversation two minutes ago. Right. Great job, Evan. But you are from Staccato. But before we start talking about Staccato, I want to know a little bit about your background. And I actually had you on the show before. It was in episode 90. So it's been a really long time. But people who haven't heard maybe the episode in a while, or if they're just listening to the show for the very first time and they're not even familiar with who you are, just give me a little bit about like what it is you do and your background and what got you to where you are now. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that was a while ago. I think, I mean, gosh, I, I probably looked similar back then, but no, the, uh, you definitely looked a little younger. Yeah, the at least a year or two, but the uh, yeah, that was that was uh, it was you, and then there was a dude. Yeah, you brought a ran. Well, you also brought somebody, some random person on the show that I was like, oh, hello. I guess we're just bringing everybody on the show. I guess it's like a free for all. Oh, that's somebody- right. We were in my office. That had to be like 2018 or 2019 is when I first got here. When I first got to Staccato. Yeah, I, I think I think ultimately you were nervous to be on the show, so you just like brought some random person walking across your you know by your door in the office, and you're like, yo, jump on. And then it There's sort of no like way. took the heat away from you. There's no way I was nervous. I don't know. It seemed like it. Absolutely not. And what's funny is like, do you even remember who we had on? Who like, I don't even remember uh, who it was. I'd have to go back and listen to that episode. Oh, was that, was that Todd Jarrett that popped in? Or was oh, it yes. It was, a, it was a, was it Todd Jarrett? No, I think so. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I think that that's who it was. I think Todd Jarrett popped in my office and came in like, Hey man, what's up everybody? Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> well, what's yeah, funny is I've, I've literally moved to every office in the, in the old building. We're moving to a new factory and I'll talk about that here in a second, but I've literally been in every office in the factory moving around in different spaces. And then we get more people on teams. This, the bigger office is better. So I'll move back. So I'm actually back in my original office that I started in, in 2018. Which so. is the assisted living. <laughs> Yeah, which is the assisted living, which is slash at my house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. There's been so, there's so many really great influential people at the company now. They sent me home. Right. <laughs> That's great. They're like, hey, let's put the old guy out the pasture. We can't really get rid of him, but let's give him a shirt or two and some monitors. You know, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So I so long story short, and I will try to be brief. Remember, I still am an Italian kid from Chicago, so I could talk for a long time. I. Retired from the Army in 2007. Uh, I went to work in the, uh, as a contractor, I'm a contractor domestically till about 2009. And then I became a, uh, I was a trainer working at uh, Bud's Gun Shop. And then while also simultaneously, while I was a, a contractor, I started a little company called Velocity Shooter. And I was basically doing, you know, USPSA style, competition style website, small as a home-based business, nothing really humongous. Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, I migrated into, I went to work for budsgunshop.com, little small online retailer you may have heard of. And I spent about the first year there uh, working in the training room, teaching classes and courses. And we ran USPSA matches and we started a uh, USPSA club there. Uh, super fun as myself and a couple other guys teaching classes. They had a 6,000 square foot indoor training bay. 
Uh, one day, Bud walked in and goes, uh, hey, man, listen, I need you to do a video on these damn shotguns. And uh, I was at SHOT Show this year, and Gerson was actually two booths over from us. And I walked in, and one of the old guys there remembered me because I was talking about the Gerson MC312 shotgun, which is like a Benelli M1 copy, mm-hmm. uh, inertia-driven shotgun. And so I walked up to the guy, and this young kid walks up, and he goes, he goes, hey, so are you familiar with the Gerson shotgun? I go, familiar. I said, dude, I was the first video done of this in America. And an old guy walks up and goes, hey, man, you're Tony from Buds. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, man. And I, it's the first video I did. And so I did a video for them. I basically had no idea what I was doing. I took a Sony Handycam and tied it to three target sticks in the training bay. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a lab mic or anything. Just had a little shotgun mic that I bought at like Best Buy that day. And I, uh, I, my best army instructor voice ever, I was like, hey, folks, Tony from BudsGunShop.com. I talked about the whole line. And at the end, I looked at the camera and I was like, I got to do some type of an outro thing. And I said, uh, remember, folks, stay safe, train hard, win the fight. And you can find these products and many more at budsgunshop.com. Came to position of attention, walked around the back of the camera, hit off. A little camera went like this. And I think we sold like 10,000 of those shotguns. Dang. And uh, this is back before you used to have all those reveals, this, the reviews and stuff. This was, you know, 2010, mm-hmm. somewhere in that time frame. And uh, maybe 2011. So Bud was like, hey, you guys have got this guy doing the wrong job. And so they moved me into the marketing department. And I uh, went into the marketing department, just me and a, a young kid who was a self-taught video editor. And we started doing videos, started talking about products, evolving email segmentation to where we'd talk about a product, then send an email out to, you know, 25,000 people who own Glock 9, you know, Glock 17s about a base pad that added two, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, you'd you'd sell five thousand of them. So we started seeing really great conversion from nothing more than just talking to people about the product, even eliminating all the doubt of the product. Let's talk about the characteristics, talk about the capabilities, how easy is it to install, what does it mean, what does it do, demo the product. And something we had talked about off camera that you had mentioned, or off the podcast that you had mentioned about your reputation. So before I started every video. And it's funny, you can go back and look at like some of the original videos. I started a video with, hi, folks, this is Tony Pignato. And the reason I did that is because I knew everything I said after that was mine. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if I spouted crap, if I lied, if I misled, that was me. Yeah. You know, it's not, a, I mean, you can't say, well, they made me do this. I mean, it was, it's literally to talk about a product at, with the integrity of, to the best of your knowledge and the best of my experience. This is what I'm sharing an authentic experience that I had with a product. And it connected with the customer and and I continue to do that, you know, through where I'm at now is being able to just authentically and transparently say, hey, man, you know, I really, really like this. And here's why I like it, you know, and, and admittedly say, I'm not, you know, JJ Ricaz, I'm not Max Michelle, I'm this guy. And and at, at this guy level, I really like it, mm-hmm. you know, and the cool thing about it is there's only so many JJs and Maxes, but there's a lot of this guy. So uh, it worked really well. And I decided after about a year in that space that uh, I needed college because I was I was a retired army guy, had a whole bunch of college credits, but no college degree. So I decided to go back to college full time. Uh, about two and a half years later, I uh, finished my degree in uh, in management with a concentration in business and marketing. Hmm. And I left Buds and I started my own consulting firm in the uh, gun industry. So in 2015, I left there and uh, I spent over the course of about simultaneously the same time I left there, I, I got picked up by Shooting USA and I was on that show for four years. 
uh, working with John and Jim Scout, and I learned a ton about connectivity on a different level, about from the broadcast perspective, not just the sales pitch ShamWow guy, from the broadcast perspective of uh, connecting with that person, that experience one-on-one with the person sitting in their chair, on their couch, in their living room, and having a conversation with that person. So, I mean, they're the experts at it. They're absolutely amazing and have been huge mentors of mine. And uh, I uh, started my own and, and did that. I'd worked with what I considered to be a macro company, a really, really big company, hugely successful, with a large customer base. And I wanted to have experience with micro companies, smaller, single product, new websites, new product companies, new startups, new retail shops. So that's what I did for about four years as I did that. And I was at TriggerCon, which I don't know if you've been to TriggerCon mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I was at TriggerCon and I did, uh, I had started a segment on Shooting USA called Shooting USA Uncut, which is we did direct to social media on Facebook. And I did a segment where I interviewed Nate, then who was the interim CEO of STI. He's a Marine veteran. And I sat down in an interview with him. And, and uh, when I got done with the interview, I looked at him. I said, man, I said, I, I said, wow, it's really good to see that there's a veteran leading the company. I said, you know, I feel like I feel like STI has always been the best kept secret, and I felt like they've always been their own worst enemy. And um, and I, I literally said something to him along the lines like, you know, you guys have always made a really great shooting gun. I said, but most of the time when it came from the factory, it didn't work. And he looked at me, you know, with like fire in his eyes. He said, well, they work now. <laughs> He's like, and I was like, awesome. I said, I'd love to hear more about it. And so. I got a call a couple of days later and um, from a mutual friend that said, uh, actually, Taryn Butler said, uh, hey, man, STI is looking for some marketing help. Is it OK if I give nature number? And I said, yeah, sure. So I was, you know, as a consultant, I would what I would do is I'd take a client to a certain level and then I would, you know, kick loose of them like, hey, man, all right, this is where you are right now. These are some things you need to do internally to get to the next level. And then come back, you know, six months later and go, okay, we're at this level. Let's go here. Cause I can't run your business for you. All I can do is advise you, mm-hmm. try to guide you, help you put some, some processes in place that you can repeat those processes, evolve those processes in that progression, progressive path. And then I, I would come back in. And if I couldn't, couldn't get you to the next level, then I would, you know, refer you to somebody who could. So I said, well, awesome. I said, I've got, and this was September of 2018. I said, awesome. I said, actually, I've got a client that's dropping off in October. I said, sure, I'd love to love to talk to him. Spent about two hours on the phone with Nate. And he said, hey, can you send me a resume? I said, sure, send him a resume. And uh, he said, can you do a telephonic interview tomorrow? He's like, would you be interested in, you know, first thing he said to me, he goes, yeah, I don't need a consultant. I don't need a firm. He's like, I need a CMO and I need you in Texas. And as he said, that's what I'm looking for. And I was like, can you send me a resume? I was like, okay, send him a resume. And, uh, we spent another two and a half hours on the phone for an interview. And he said, Hey, can you, can you fly down next week? And of course I've been back and forth from STI uh, numerous times over the years. And my little startup company I had was uh, I had carried some uh, STI products and I went down and, you know, basically there was this schedule and tour and stuff. And I was like, I don't really need a schedule tour. I just want to go talk to the people that I know in the company. And I want to find out, you know, like undercover boss, want to find out what the real deal is. And I came back and I, I looked at him a couple of days later and I handed him the visitor badge. I said, hey, make me a reasonable offer and I'll start in three weeks. And uh, he made me a reasonable offer and I 
literally went back home and I put a, I had what's the so backstory is I, I had just paid off my little lake cottage. I had got a new pontoon boat for my birthday and <laughs> things were good. And I had, uh, put a sign in the yard at the lake house. I loaded all the furniture out of the, the, the little cottage into a trailer and I came down and that was, uh, Labor Day of 2018. It's Labor Day, the one in September, or is that Memorial Day? It's I Labor always get mixed up. Yeah. Um, so I uh, moved into an apartment. I lived in an apartment for eight months and walked in, and the marketing team was me and a, a, a marketing assistant. And that was it. Hmm. And we, yeah, we got after it. Wow. Like three months later, we were at SHOT Show. The only people we could afford to put put on this on the actual shot show display was me and Corinne Mosier, who was a friend of mine. So I brought friends of mine that I'd had in the industry with me. Mm -hmm. Hey man, I need you to do this. Can you do this for a favor? Can I give you a gun and you come down for a you know a week long photo shoot? And they were like, sure. Can you put pay for my hotel? I'm like, yeah, right on. Yeah. And in 2018, we sold 5,000 guns. That was the total for that year. And, um, you know, fast forward to 2022 and, you know, hell we, we have, 12,000 different police officers that have purchased our guns Wow! just in the law enforcement space. So it's not, it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on when you're moving. And, and the cool thing about it is we, we had a really great product. So uh, when you have a really great product, you, you just have to tell people, but number one, you have to make sure the product's good. Like you have to go back and make sure that I can put the product in anybody's hands and it works. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to tell people, tell the story, which, um, I, you know, it's kind of like the karate kid. I felt like I'd spent, you know, the last six years of my life learning how to tell stories and connect with people. And so I spent the first two years as the CMO, about 18 months as the CMO of the company. And, um, our, our marketing approach became experientially based, which meant going out, putting guns in people's hands. Cause as you know, the gun industry, I can't just get on Facebook and select a demographic and boost it you have to literally grassroots. And so we spent, you know, I think I put 67,000 miles on a personal vehicle in the first year, traveling around and putting staccatos in people's hands and telling the staccato story and watching the myself and obviously a few other people on the team, not just myself, but it was Heather Miller and Jim Irwin and, and Buck Pearson, who's now our senior VP of business development, started off as a law enforcement rep. So that like that core four of people just literally going out there going, you know, watching and 2019 when people are like, so what's this? Oh, this is staccato. Never heard of them. What about STI? Never heard of it. So, well, this is the 2011 platform. No, there's no such thing as a 2011. You're talking about a 1911. And I'm like, well, no, sir, it's a 2011. Then they pick up the gun and they're like, well, what the hell did you put this Glock grip on it for? <laughs> I mean, it was literally that level. Nobody heard of them. So, I mean, you think about your popularity in the competitive shooting sports and you, you get arrogantly ignorant. Yeah. You think you're a super badass and you realize nobody's ever heard of you, mm -hmm. but you have a really great gun. Yeah. And so, you know, when I first came to the company, boss looked at me and said, uh, so what's our message? And I said, we make the world's best shooting handgun. And he goes, damn. And I was like, yeah. And I said, let's go make it true. And, you know, let's make sure that it's, it's duty ready, duty and defense ready, and it's durable and dependable. And, uh, but the gun, it's a true story. And, so what's what's interesting too is that when I came out and said the 2011 is the world's best shooting handgun, I got I had you know all these guys I've known for years that build you know custom handguns were like, dude, that's BS. STI doesn't build the world's best shooting handgun. And, and, and of course we started talking about it's the 2011 platform, man. 2011 platform is the world's best shooting handgun. 
exactly what it is. It's a modular frame polymer grip technology makes the gun easier to shoot. And then they start realizing, wait a minute, I build a gun on a 2011 platform. Oh, now I get it. And I was like, uh-huh. Rising tide raises all boats, man. Mm-hmm. Stick with me here. And so what it is, is we, and in order to prove to people in the secular market, which I call the non-competitive industry, mm-hmm. that the guns were durable and dependable, is we started going to law enforcement agencies and talking to law enforcement agencies about this gun. And uh, Buck Pearson literally was the plank holder in that, you know, going around with a demo kit and spending months on the road. You know, when people said there's no way a cop's going to spend $2,000 on a duty gun. Well, fast forward to now, we got 12,000 of them that did it and more. I mean, there's people that are carrying $4,200 XCs and this isn't department purchases. You know, there's, you're talking about 99% of these are actual individual officer purchases once they're approved to carry on duty. Yeah. And uh, the reason they found the gun so attractive is because it's easier to shoot. Mm -hmm. And when everything else sucks, when you potentially are in in a fight for your life or defending your community or defending a loved one or defending an innocent, having something that's really easy to shoot is kind of important. Yeah. Just from a collateral perspective, you know, if I can hit what I'm aiming at, guess what I don't hit what I'm not aiming at. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, fast forward to where we are now, that's, you know, really been our focus, you know, is being able to, and it's it's a great credit too is to the the guy that owns the company. Um, he's an incredibly passionate guy. He, you know, we've we've been told numerous times, I don't care if you fail, just fail fast. Mm-hmm. I always affectionately remember this memory of being in a board meeting and uh we were talking about this, and there's you know, different that, and we're just branding and we're gonna da-da-da, blah, blah, blah. And we were back and forth and stuff. And I remember the boss stops the room and he goes up, uh, he goes, Let let me be very, very clear what what my vision is he's like we build the world's best shooting handgun and we build the world's best shooting handgun for those people that defend themselves their communities their loved ones and this country and he allows for a dramatic pause and he goes does anybody here not effing understand our vision and the room was really really quiet right and of course i'm a, I'm a retired army guy so i'm like who uh you know, and of course, some of the other veterans in the room were like, wow, you know, stupid Tony. And uh, but that resonated with me. It's like, let's let's not lose track of that. Mm-hmm. And when you make that statement, that means that there's a lot to that to unpack. Like if I say I make the world's best shooting handgun, but it, but this doesn't work or that doesn't work or it doesn't feed this ammo or this doesn't this is not a, this not. Well, again, you can't say that. And then you say, I'm going to put it in the hands of those people that defend them, defend themselves. Okay. So guess what? That means it has to be, it has to be something that everybody can use. It has to be easy to use. It has to be easy to cycle. It has to be easy to function and understand. And it has to be something that everybody, regardless of skill level can shoot really well. Mm-hmm. And then also I have to do is have an inherent dependability. I have to have accuracy. I have to have all these things. And then I have to have a right, because again, different sizes, you know, I have, I can't have one size pair of jeans. I can't make, you know, a bunch of, you know, four inch guns and this is what we got. Well, if I want to carry it, well then wear bigger clothes, you know, it's, so we have to, we have to really be conscious of, of what we created as a product. So that's where I've been. And for the last about, about three years now, I've been the chief experience officer, uh, as the chief experience officer, I'm responsible for, uh, obviously, uh, designing the experience influential on the customer experience at the retail level 
the customer experience through an omni-channel business model because we sell uh, direct to law enforcement, direct to direct to dealers, uh, and direct to consumers. So there's three different channels at minimum. And then really as the chief experience officer, think about the customer experience in general. Uh, it is any part of your brand or service and any interaction that a customer has, no matter direct or indirect, with your brand, product, or service, hmm. and how that impacts the way people make decisions and designing those those touch points so that they create a positive image and a stimulant for uh, you know you you could you know there's a lot of people that have Ferraris on their desktop or their computers and don't own Ferraris. So how do we have people that are fans of the brand are attracted to the brand? And then of course the product is just a piece of the brand and the product part of it is, is cool. It's great. You know, it's an amazing product, but it, it can be transactional at, at, uh, at a point. So how do we connect with that customer and continue to create that relationship and an even deeper relationship? So mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing for the last three years and nice. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Nice. Of, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's it's fun. I continue to grow and and do things. I it, you know you and I talked about offline. I I started my MBA program on Monday. Yeah, mm -hmm. who does that in their fifties? This guy. Yeah, because I got all this free time. I figured I'd go back to school for the next ten months. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna take a quick break, real quick. Talk about Mantis. The Mantis X, total game changer for dry fire training, but what do you do if the pistol that you want to train with doesn't have a Picatinny rail? For many semi-auto handguns, Mantis has magazine base plates with rails so that you can attach the system there, but what if you want to train with your revolver or a semi-auto that they don't make a base pad for? Mantis has created a handy kit called the BR4, so the letters BR and then the number 4, bore rail that includes four different barrel plugs for 9mm slash 357, 40 cal, 44 mag, and 45 ACP diameter barrels. The plug goes in the end of the barrel, so obviously it's only for dry fire, but this will let you train with any of those guns that don't have rails. And the best of all is it's incredibly affordable. The entire kit is only $25. Check it out at mantisx.com. Tony, I want to know, when did you guys decide to change the name from STI to Staccato? And what was the reason for that? Well, great question. So STI stood for Strayer Trip International Incorporated. Mm -hmm. So where those, those, that acronym and, and the, those people are, you know, were part of the original legacy of the design of the 2011 platform. It actually, it, you know, you've got, it just became really interesting when you're talking about building a brand and building a connection with a customer and you're tied to an acronym that has really no relevance to the company now. Yeah. Sandy Strayer owns his own company. Virgil Tripp owns his own company. We very, very on a super, super small at the time shipped anything internationally. And that was only to IPSC retail partners that, that were distributors in some foreign countries. So it just didn't connect anymore. It didn't fit anymore, though it is part of our legacy. Those three letters were associated with a brand that was specifically designed for the competition space. Though they dabbled very with a minor presence in other things, they were known for being a competition, a competition platform. And when you talk about and you use the words competition, I think that can be very polarizing. It can be very intimidating. You understand this uh, in the space that you operate in. It, you may have 
you'll have plenty of clients and, and students that will come out there and you may use drills from a competition development space. But to tell people, hey, we're going to shoot a match on Thursday, you want to come? They're like, whoa, hold up. You know, I mean, because people nobody wants to suck at anything, first thing. And very few people understand the development that goes into being a decent shooter competitively. Mm -hmm. And so we felt that the term competitive, you know, the competitive shooting pistol, a, a you know, a competition design pistol was a little bit polarizing. And so how did we create a brand and create a product that was inclusive, meaning that, you know, one of our first marketing message was the hero in blue, the hero in green and the hero in you. So meaning inclusive, meaning anybody can shoot, anybody, everybody deserves the ability to shoot well. Everybody deserves the absolute best tool in the world to defend themselves, their community, their partner, their loved ones in this country. Everybody does, not just grandmasters. And so with that in mind, we started looking for making a transition to a different name. Gotcha. We had at the time, some people were out there shooting steel and kind of making a little music. And we had a, a board member, uh, a loved one, a, a close relationship who was a, a retired music teacher and had heard ting, 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 and was like, oh, wow, that's like musical notes. It's very staccato. And all of a sudden that stuck. Hmm. Uh, I'm Italian. So I'm like, I'm in. Tony yeah. Fernando at Staccato. Yeah. And that's like that. My email actually sounds like a recipe. Like, yeah, can we get two of the staccatos? I know. Staccato on it? Okay, great. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's humongous for us. And so in 2018 to 2019, we came out with the Staccato C and the Staccato P. Going into that, what I call the secular market, which is the non-competition space and thinking, okay, We've got to have duty and defense reliability, and we've got to have the competition performance because the performance is it, you know, and the ultimate race, the ultimate competition is good guy, bad guy, good girl, bad girl, right? Like it's winning the gunfight is the, you know, second place sucks a lot. So being able to provide people the two areas that we thought were the most important, which is personal defense and home defense, and then tactical operations. And so we introduced the Staccato C and the Staccato P. The Staccato C was, was described as the world's best shooting carry gun. And the Staccato P was described as the world's best shooting duty gun. And we introduced those in the market, still under the SCI banner. And then we introduced those in the secular market with a focus on retail partners that were carrying our product. Now, all of a sudden, you had people walking in asking, hey, do you guys have any Staccatos? And so the transition from STI to Staccato wasn't a you know, sharp cut. Yeah. It was a gradual. So like literally our, I think it was the 2020 shot show people. When we actually made the name announcement, people were like, I thought you guys were already staccato, you know, cause we had such a new customer base. You mm -hmm. know, we had, we had the competition base that had always known about us. And then we had a whole new customer base of people who only, who only knew staccato. Yeah. They'd never heard of STI. They like what I, I don't shoot competition, but I like to shoot. You know, and there's a lot of people out there. I mean, you know, we, we talked about, you know, during the heat of COVID, I think one year it was 17.1 million new gun owners. Well, 17.1 million new gun owners, you know, did not join USPSA or IDPA or, mm -hmm. you know, Steel Challenge. They, they went out and bought a gun to defend themselves. And we had a significant increase in the amount of people that started shooting staccatos during that time period, because when it came down to possibly having to defend themselves, they wanted to have the best chance of success best chances of scoring a W and, you know, putting a, putting a check mark in the win column. And so 
We made that transition to Staccato, I believe it was May of 2020, officially changed the name and rebranded everything with Staccato. And it's been, it's been a huge, I mean, a huge positive response, you know, ever since. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a cool name. Like it's the, the thing that's really neat about the name is it's not, it's not a legacy name based on a person. It's not a, you know, like he, not to take it away from him, there's incredible legacies. It's, it's based on, you know, which is, it's a musical note in Italian, a short, crisp musical note, which sounds like a gunshot, you know, or could be, could be considered a shot because it's, it's broken at both ends and it's a crisp self-standing, you know, note, which is kind of cool when you think back of it, you know, you're, or think back to it. It's like, oh, that's kind of neat. So what is staccato? Well, it's actually Italian for a short, crisp musical note. I like it. Oh, like a gunshot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And and I think it's been, I think it's, a, I think it was a really cool call. It's you know, or a really cool call as the, as a team. It's kind of like our, uh, uh, we have an owner's club that's called 368. And 368, if you go back and look at George Washington's uh, spies codex, 368 stood for liberty. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting little tidbits of trivia. If you ever go to Staccato Trivia Night, you'll be guaranteed to win. Right. There's been like a lot of companies coming out in recent years that make 2011s. How would you say that yours compares to the others? Well, I mean, we're, you know, I think, I think by the time companies catch where we are now, mm -hmm. we'll already be there. Like we'll be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, it's, um, what was it talking about? I was I was actually reading a uh, a SWOT analysis from a company that talked about that one of their strengths was innovation and continuous improvement. Is we're always, you know, it's kind of like if you think about Michael Jordan as a basketball player. Michael Jordan coming in at the time he did with the Kobe's and the other amazing players, they raised the level that you have to be to perform at that professional level. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of all guns. I, I, I like, I love innovation. I love new companies coming out and I, I love new companies coming out with new products and I don't hate on anybody. I don't talk bad about other people's guns. I've, I've shot hundreds of thousands of rounds out of Glocks, Tank Folios, CZs, Smith and Wessons, a bunch of different guns, uh, custom guns, you know. And so I, when I look at it, I just, I, I, I compare them. I compare what they're going to do and where they're at. And, and is the gun, is the gun at the same level of performance? Is it hundred percent made in America? Is it certified American steel? Does the gun work every single time? That's important. Can I shoot the gun? Well, uh, you know, I've told people all the time that when it comes down to they'll ask me, and I'm sure you get the questions all the time, like, what kind of gun should I buy? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, one, you shoot well. Yeah. You maybe you don't shoot a staccato well. Buy one you do shoot well. I mean, because guess what? I'm much too big for you to carry concealed. Mm -hmm. So buy something that you could shoot well. I mean, I think our guns shoot pretty well, and I think they shoot pretty easy, and I think they're uh, they're incredibly dependable. But if it's not for you, cool man, buy something you could shoot well. And uh, so when I think about other companies, I'm I'm always excited about other companies. I love to see other companies' success. I love to see the entire industry successful. Comparing our guns to other guns, sure. Compare compare them. It's your opinion that matters, not mine. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm biased, but I'm also not a hater. I know what we put into our guns, and uh, I know the amount of effort we put into our guns to make our guns perform the way they do. 
And I think other companies do too. And I think we would be ignorant and arrogant to not think that they're working equally as hard to build an incredible platform. Mm -hmm. I think we've just got a really, really good head start. Yeah. And we're running super fast. And good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I like it. And I don't, and I don't, it's, it sounds super arrogant and it's, and I don't mean it to be because it's not, I mean, I, there's a lot of great guns out there to shoot super, super well. And, uh, and comparing, you know, other, you know, modular frame guns or other, other double stack 1911s out there. Uh, I, I can't, I can't tell you, I know what I've, what I've, how many rounds I've put through staccatos and I know some of the other guns I've shot. And I think I think they're they're making an incredible uh, incredible effort to come and be able to provide their customers an incredibly shooting platform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is there any future plans that you could share with us? Oh, so uh, we just built a big old hundred thousand square foot manufacturing facility. We're moving into in April, and this is in Texas. Um, yeah, man. We built and it's it's on you know about forty acres. We've got a. Uh, some outdoor training facilities in the in the area, right there on on the you know co-located with our property. There's going to be an indoor training facility there. It's going to I mean it's literally uh, like I said and I, I say this again. It's like by by the time you get to where we are right now, we're so far that way. You're going to be like, got them. Shit, where they go? <laughs> like I mean, yeah, because I mean it's you know taking. You know, just looking at the improvements we're we're doing now and where our guns are continued to uh, evolve to, we're uh, you know we're moving to a new manufacturing facility. We've we've been in a building right now that we've been in for 25 years, and you come look at the building now and you walk through and it's cool. It's very it's very cool. Like it's neat to walk through. But when we move into our new manufacturing facility and you're like, oh my god, like this is where they build Ferraris. And that's, that's it is being able to walk through a tour of that and, and understand, you know, if you've ever been to Hendrix Motorsports in Charlotte, but if you get a chance to go to that facility, go, go on a tour because you get to the end of that and you realize it's, you know, I, I remember getting to the end of it and there was a guy who was incredibly articulate in a lab code, used a lot of big words. And we got to the end, he leaned over and looked at me, said, yeah, man, not bad for a bunch of rednecks making left turns. huh?" <laughs> And it's, that's really where, I mean, we're just a little old gun company here in Texas, just nice. building some old 2011s Very cool. and, uh, you know, we're just going to keep on building them. You know, we're going to build, we built 30,000 this year, 60,000 next and next and then, then the next thing you know, all of a sudden they're going to be like, holy cow, Scott's building 250,000 guns a year. Bing bong. What wow. happened? Yeah. And it's, and you know, you move to this new facility and it's really, really cool. It's really beautiful. We have a little small retail space big, bright, uh, entrance conference rooms and, you know, state of the art technology. And we, you know, are right down, uh, right down the street from Dawson precision in Florence, Texas. Uh, we back up to, uh, the DPS, which is the department of public safety, which is where all the, the law enforcement trains in the state of Texas. And I guess it's just such a cool, such a cool, uh, exciting place to be right now, especially, you know, when you think back to, you know, our first shot show, I loaded the entire booth in a trailer that we paid $4,000 for. And I pulled it behind my personal vehicle. And that was just in 2018. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And literally it cost me $250 and, and, you know, <laughs> sausage biscuits and coffee to get my stuff unloaded. 
Yeah. I mean, it was like, literally that's back in the day when we were growth hacking mm -hmm. to get where we're at and then to see where we are now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been an, it's been a really, really cool journey and it's, and uh, we're proud of it. We we know the work that's gone into it and it's not taking anything away from other companies that are, we know that everybody's out there busting their ass every single day, but I, I wasn't part of their journey, but I've been part of this journey and it's been super cool, mm -hmm. super dope. For people who want to find your website or follow you guys on social media, where can they find you? Um, so staccato is staccato2011.com is our website. We are on all the social medias. If you just search for, you know, staccato2011, we should come up on Facebook and Instagram. In the last probably four months, uh, we picked up, I don't know if you know, Michelle Viscusi. Yeah. Formerly of Team Glock. She's our, um, uh, our director of social media, social media manager. So she's uh, been super active in what we've got going on and kind of restructuring our social media presence. We're working on a bunch of strategic partnerships with different people out there. Uh, myself, as as anybody who knows me knows, I don't have a stage name. Everything on social media is just Tony Pignato. That's it. It's not like, you know, fat Italian guy one at you know, <laughs> Instagram. You know, it's just, yeah, just that we're pretty transparent. I mean, it's, I don't, it's, I don't, you know, people, and you can message me, you can, you can message our team. I, I staccato is life, man. You can ask me questions if you're looking at a gun or if you see me, if you see me at a match or you see me at an event and I've got a staccato with me, you can use it. I don't care. I've, I've taken stuff off. I've given away ammo. I, I hear, man, you can use this gun. Here's my holster. Go shoot the match. I'll be over here. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's about your experience, man. I've shot a bunch of these guns and I, I still enjoy shooting them and I still enjoy doing what we do. But, uh, my, my mission and just to be able to continue to tell the staccato story and continue to put uh, the world's best shooting handgun in their hands and let them experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, you know, it seems odd for me to say this, but, uh, when I'm at an event, it's, I don't, I don't sell anything. I can do everything with one finger. I point to the gun. I point to the magazine with ammo and I point to the range. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, go shoot the gun. I mean, yeah. it's, I feel like I'm the, I'm the guy who owned the first five guys burger shop. Like I can talk to you about, you know, our bun comes from Minnesota and it's handmade, <laughs> but, but I know that I'm just like, taste the burger, man. Take a bite. Yeah. That's it. Take a bite. Not everybody's going to like it, but I bet you 99% of them are going to like it. You mm -hmm. know, because if you like burgers, you know, if you don't like burgers, you're in the wrong place. You need to go Chick-fil-A. Uh, five guys sounds so good right now. Oh yeah. I like me some five guys. Mm -hmm. Five guys is super, super. Yeah. I like their it's fries are I know. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that their fries are good. I don't like as much salt on mine though, but the only thing that I don't like is like just for like a burger fry and like a Coke, I'm like out the door 20 bucks. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's inexpensive, but I guess you could say the same thing with staccato. Like it's not inexpensive. You definitely, no. but well, you pay for what you get. hundred percent. You know, it's, uh, it was interesting to have like Joe Rogan came, you know, keep, came through our factory and did a tour and he got to the end. And I remember him looking at me like so surprised. He's like, I had no idea this, what goes into building it. I mean, remember our guns are a hundred percent made in America, hundred percent made in Texas. Oh yeah. And by the way, our steel and our products are certified American made. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you think about buying certified American steel back, you know, under uncle Donald, what were we paying? $20 for a piece of bar stock. Yeah. You know, that's gone up significantly. And, you know, we, we still stick by that standard, you know, of hundred percent made in America. 
and made in Texas. And, you know, there's an American, there's an assaulting forward American flag on the right hand side of our gun for a reason. We're always forward. Mm-hmm. We're never stopping. We're always forward. And so when I say that and I talk about other guns in the industry and, uh, you know, it's you're foolish if you don't think people are eventually going to catch your technology. You know, it's, you know, like I said earlier, is that Apple, you know, wasn't the one who invented the cell phone. But people will eventually catch your technology. And the object is the technology they catch. You want your newest technology to be that way Mm -hmm. further forward and continue to evolve. And we're always going to be moving that direction. And we're not going to sacrifice our standards, our commitment and our values um, for the transaction and continue to have the great relationship with the people who believe in us and uh, believe in liberty and freedom and America and all that stuff. Nice. I love it. Yeah, man. All right. Moving on with the rest of the show. Caldwell. If you like to shoot long range, Caldwell has a new product coming out that you need to check out. I highlighted it at SHOT Show, but essentially it's called the Flashbang Target Hit Indicator. It's a light that attaches to the back of your steel target and flashes when there's hits. So this is perfect if you're shooting 22 long rifle and there may not be, you know, obviously as much sound because it's a smaller bullet. Or even if you're shooting, let's say like 5.56, even at like a thousand yards, sometimes it might be hard to hear like that audible sound that that feedback. This is great because it has 10 super bright LEDs that are triggered by impact that are visible for thousands of yards, even in daylight. It's powered by three AA batteries, which lasts about 5,000 impacts, and they work with any targets over five inches. And best of all, it's only $29.99. But if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, that's all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is CaldwellShooting.com. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. I'm sure you heard a few months back, you know, they were telling credit card companies to essentially like You know, if somebody used a credit card to purchase a gun to label it as uh, like a certain like merchant tracking code, right? What? Yeah. So they were pressuring credit card companies to create like a merchant tracking code for firearm purchases. And it's like the new special code, which they're being rolled out by card companies. They're basically, I mean, it's stupid because they're tracking law abiding citizens at firearm stores. So their purchase is to have card companies track and flag purchases as suspicious, which is absolutely ridiculous. We're talking about people who are purchasing through an FFL. They've already passed a background check. If the FBI doesn't find anything, you know, to stop the purchase, how can a credit card company possibly find anything suspicious? They have no criteria, no expertise, and no authority to investigate customer purchases in any way. What it really means is they intend to use it to target lawful commerce and potentially deny service eventually to try to buy a gun and your card gets declined. 
The MCC was approved last September and is still being implemented. Discover just announced that they're moving forward with it. Visa is also reportedly proceeding as well. The good news is that lawmakers in several states are working to pass laws to prevent this. In Mississippi, a bill to ban the use of the MCC codes was overwhelmingly approved by the House and expected to swiftly pass the Senate. In Florida, a similar bill that will even fine card companies up to 10000 per violation is moving through the Senate. In West Virginia, the House approved legislation to ban any company that tracks purchases from bidding on state contracts. On the federal level, there's even like support moving in the House and Senate to protect citizens from having their purchases tracked by corporations trying to push their agenda. Things are obviously moving fairly slowly. Obviously, you know, this came out in September. We're just now starting to see, you know, people get on it for, you know, like take legal action. But I would say definitely, you know, contact your reps, tell them to vote to block credit card companies from implementing these tracking codes. And if this is something that you're worried about, I would definitely recommend, you know, take out cash and just pay with cash when you're purchasing your firearms. But totally, I mean, like I've said this before, like all these anti-gun organizations are coming at us from all different angles. It's not just about passing bills. It's, you know, they're getting pretty creative and they're trying to figure out other ways to prevent, you know, law-abiding citizens from having guns. Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's, it's so, it's interesting for me is the, the stuff that, some people present and, and I, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm so, I want to say like, I'm so removed from it from a, since I live in Texas, Yeah, you know, where it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know what y'all other states are doing. We ain't doing that here. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like, uh, it's it, it, but one of the things that I, that I find encouraging about it, about crazy. If you think back historically, the crazy stuff that's gone on, uh, the things that people have tried to do, mm-hmm. um, just the incredible regulatory guidelines and all, all this just it's it's absolute lunacy yeah what's interesting too is that you empower states you empower states to make decisions and so states can make decisions and if you look at the migration of people out of states i think one of the cool things if there's anything you know i don't want to say cool things it's probably a horrible term to say it but one of the positive outcomes of all the things that we've gone through in the last four years is that people have started to wake up um, against, because now it, you know, you can only, you can truly see how an organization is going to be structured when, uh, when it's in, anybody can be great during easy times. You know, when people are a punch drunk on money and, you know, in sunshine, you could pass all kinds of stupid ass laws, but all of a sudden people are stuck in their house all day and crimes through the roof. I mean, look at Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago just ousted Lightfoot, you know, why? Cause she ran the damn city into the ground for, you know, her entire terms in, in office. And it's, and I mean, it's ridiculous, the crime, the economy, all the things that are going on. And, and here's, what's funny about it. You could be, uh, you know, people that are non uh, conservative or maybe on a different side of the, uh, a, a different side of the aisle, you know what they do like money. And when money starts leaving your state, because people are like, this is stupid, uh, and you have major organizations leaving your state, and then what's even even more interesting, I'm going to just talk about major organizations, corporations, but when people pack their shit and leave, now you got problems. Because if you got, what was, what was the number that were migrating out of New York? 
a, a month and going outside of New York. I, I, you may know that, but there's some, there's, I can't remember. It was a ridiculous number. Like they were saying like, you know, a hundred thousand people a month are leaving New York state. Wow. What? I don't, I mean, I, I'm making that number up, but I mean, it was something that ridiculous. Yeah. Like people that are leaving these, these, uh, non-conservative or other side uh, led states and and cities and stuff. And they're like, this is not a safe place to raise my children. This is not a, the, the economy's crap. I'm completely inhibited. I'm, I'm, and then on top of it, people are shooting at me and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I can't even own a gun. No, I gotta go, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's self-preservation. That's truly it. It's, it's, it's like a, a blowtorch in an anthill. Mm-hmm. The ants will run. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> though, all the people that are moving out of those states are coming into our states and then taking their politics with them. So only downfall. And it's like so, I mean, it is well, it's a continuous fight. And I and I say this from the Texas space uh, and my exposure here. We have a lot of people moving here. Uh, from other states and it's I, do I think you're going to you're the thing about all the extremists and I'm talking both sides of the aisle, is that the people who don't want to be extreme, the general population, the average human being who does not want to go out and protest and throw bricks through windows and do and burn towns to the ground, there's a common line with those people that believe in in the wholesome nature of being able to raise their child. I may, I may believe different in taxes and I may have different beliefs in laws or this or rights of, you know, this right or that right or the right to make this decision about firearms or bodies or whatever. I mean, you could have differences of opinion, but I think what's happening is extremists on both sides of the aisle are creating a really, really strong gray man. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you you think of somebody like, like a, and not that Tulsi was ever, you know, super, super liberal. Um, but you got, you know, you got people that are make that are crossing that aisle because they're like, hey man, this ain't the Democrat party. This is crazy. Yeah. And that's what I think has is starting to happen. And and, and that's the thing when I talk about people that are coming to Texas. Sure, there's Karens and there's ranting and raving and all this other stuff. But what's funny about it is there's people who live on my street, you know, whose whose husband's a retired colonel, you know, spent 25 years in the army, gun guy, conservative, and his wife's a huge Democrat. And I mean, and we go back and forth all the time joking and teasing, but you know what she does believe in? She does believe in community. She does believe in, you know, her children have an opportunity to grow up. She believes in in supporting people, supporting people that are less fortunate, which are all things I believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, we joke back and forth about DeSantis and Biden and this and that. And, I, you know, I'll joke whether I was, you know, we had a barbecue and and her and uh, a few other gals from yoga were at, in, the, in their backyard and I was and I was walking around. I decided to clean up trash. And so I'm cleaning up all the trash. And they go, oh, Tony, thanks for that. And I go, oh, yes. And it's another Republican cleaning up after the Democrats. <laughs> and, of course, they all sat there and looked at me. And they started laughing. They go, touche. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 
Yeah. That's, I mean, that's fun banter. That's what it should be. Exactly. You know, that's the thing about differences of opinion. It's the same as you, know, you walk out of your house dressed in a clown costume and it's not Halloween. They're like, yo, what's up with that? Yeah. And you're like, I just like clown costumes. Okay. Yeah. I like clowns too, man. Good for you. You know, it's like, and that's what I think has happened. I think there's, there's, we're creating a really strong gray party. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Cause I, I do, which is good. I do see that. Because if I, if, <laughs> If you know one thing we can't agree on is extremism is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've said that before. I'm like anything extreme, whether it's right or left, you know, what, like, I just think it's, I'm not for it. Yeah. And I think yeah, a lot exactly. of people would well, agree with me. So I, I, I like to, I like to have this disruptive conversations. I like to push the norm. I, I mean, there's the indifferences of opinion. There's got to be some friction. There's got to be some conflict and you can be incredibly passionate about it. And I get it. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, gut advocacy or, you know, people who are anti-gun are also, we can, we can actually have a human conversation. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I'm sure even as a, as a, as a pro-gun advocate, there's, there's somebody, there's something probably deep, deep dug down that somebody would present to both you and I as pro-gun people that could be some measure of, I don't want to say control or regulatory guidelines, but maybe consideration that we would probably be like, that's probably not a bad idea, but that turns into a, uh-oh, that's it. Everybody line up, get your tattoo yeah. on your forehead. And, you know, it's so, again, everything's everything's become such an extreme conflict. I know. Uh, it's like, man, I'm, oof, it's just whoosh. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot, man. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right. Today's Q&A is somebody wants to know, how are my competitions going? And well, I'm not doing competitions yet. Right now, I've just been doing scenario shooting uh, just to kind of get my feet wet. And it's actually so like when I first started, I used to do IDPA a lot. And then as I started teaching, obviously, a lot of people are off on the weekends that's when a lot of the competition shooting is going on and it was just a conflict. But I now have gotten to the point where I only teach about two, anywhere from two to four classes a month. And I did have, you know, my weekends opened up and I talked to Jeremy from IWI and he was like, look, cause I was like, what do you think I should do to take my career to the next level? And he's like, I think you should do competition shooting. He's like, but nothing else is going to make you a better shooter. It'll make you a better instructor and you'll just be a little more well-rounded. And so I started doing scenarios at my local range and that was a lot of fun. I will say it is definitely the gun that you have makes all the difference because the last scenario that I shot, I'm not going to say what gun I had and you guys wouldn't know because I didn't post it on social media, but it didn't go well at all. It's like, I kind of was getting a little cocky where I was like, eh, whatever gun, like throw whatever gun in my hand and I'll make it work, which I did. I mean, I was still, it's not like I didn't shoot anything and I wasn't accurate, but the amount of muzzle, like it, it almost needed a compensator on it or something. It was small and short and it wasn't a great experience. And so I guess I would say that's where, you know, and actually to believe it or not, I don't think I've ever shot a Staccato, but I was like thinking about, you know, cause I don't, I don't know if you, I mean, you, you know, this, I told you this, but I don't know if my listeners know, but I recently signed Shields as a sponsor and Shields, they're one of two stores in Colorado Springs that sells Staccato. 
And so I was like, well, maybe, you know, like you get to a point where you're like, all right, I don't mind paying for that. Or I don't, you know, but then sometimes you're like, dang, I just, I'm going to drop 4,000 on a gun. Like that's just like, and, and you guys aren't even the most expensive, you know, there's other guns, other 2011s out there that, you know, you can pay upwards of like 10,000 for. And that's just like, I just don't know if I could bring myself to do that. But I do think that I need to invest a little bit more in my setup so that it's, you know, I, I have the fundamentals down, but I am, you know, pretty small. Like I have a pretty small upper body and it would be nice to shoot something that didn't have as much recoil, I guess. And I was able to get back on target quicker, if that makes sense. Well, it's, you know, what's interesting about competitions is everybody, I think, as I insert my unsolicited opinion, people always associate competitions with the formality of going to a match uh, and shooting, you know, like standby, you know, I mean, there's one of the things I've found in, in my experiences as, as a trainer and as a uh, facilitator, for lack of a better word, is that anytime I can create an environment and this, and you may find this, you may find this interesting with your clients and, and, and students is anytime I can create a measurable using using the fundamentals of competition shooting, like many operational units resource some of the top shooters in the competition space because of the ability to do fundamentals faster mm -hmm. is also important in a gunfight. Yeah. So absolutely. be able to draw a gun, reload a gun, transition a target, make an accurate shot, mm -hmm. you know, move quickly in and out of shooting positions, you know, uh, is that's important. Uh, if you, if you ever see Mike Pannone, uh, or many of the other, uh, instructors out there, Hades consulting, these guys are, uh, they've got pro timers on their hips. Mike Pannone shoots USPSA regularly. So there's impactful stuff about that from, if you put yourself, you think about putting yourself in a personal defense situation. So there's things you can do with, with customers and clients or students is where it's just a matter of you put the timer on them just as a start. Yeah. Like this is a, it's an audible start. And it could be nothing more than just drawing from concealment and shooting an A zone on a target. Mm -hmm. That's one of the great things about USPSA and IPSC targets is they have a scorable zone and it's a scorable cardboard target. Um, you know, if, if, if some people feel a little weird about shooting something that's looks like a humanoid target, then use the IPSC target. It's a stop sign with a scoring zone on it. If you can remove the, uh, and just get into the fundamental mechanics of, you know, get gun, point gun, shoot gun. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of fun and I've had, I've had 70 year old gals that are like, what was my time? Like, like literally on a draw, yeah, like I know. time. It's addicting. Cause then, and then also with scenarios, because you could run through the same drill, you know, like about four times and like within the hour because of other people there, but it is addicting because you just constantly want to improve. So the first time that I do it, I always go as fast as I possibly can, like as if I was actually doing a competition. And then after that, I'm like, okay, you know, I went really quickly Maybe I didn't hit in the A zone. Maybe it was like in the C's or something like that. I'm like, let's slow it down a little bit. But I'm constantly trying to improve as I go. But it is addicting because you you obviously want to improve, you know, every time. So I could totally understand that. But 
Yeah. I don't know. It's fun. I would say if you guys have the opportunity to do something similar at your range, or even if you just get one of, you know, a timer and kind of do it yourself and just try to constantly beat yourself. Um, it's also fun too, because like, I'm telling you the minute that buzzer goes off, it's kind of like your mind goes blank and you sort of go into panic mode, which is freaking amazing because that's exactly what's going to happen if you ever have to use your gun for self-defense. So it's just a really good way to train and prepare yourself. IWI. If you guys are looking for a good AR right now, definitely check out the Zion 15. It's the first M4 variant from IWI. It's made right here in the U.S. of their factory in Middletown, Pennsylvania. You can get it in rifle or pistol versions and now SBR as well. The rifle version has like a 16 inch 4150 chrome molly barrel chambered in 5.56 with a mid-length gas system, which that mid-length gas system makes all the difference and it has very little recoil. They come equipped with a 15 inch free floated M-lock. This is obviously the rifle, not the pistol, so that you could attach all of your favorite accessories. The grip and the stock are from B5 Systems, which I'm a big fan of. Best of all, it's under $1,000. Check it out at IWI.us. Remember, if you're shopping in their web store and they have all kinds of stuff. If you're shopping in their web store, use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, so Hera, Hera Arms in Germany. Have you ever heard of Hera Arms? I have heard of Hera. Oh, I haven't. Um, Are you talking about Hera or Para? Hera with an H. Hera, Hera. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay, so Hera Arms, Germany, they announced the new H6 rifle. They developed it together with, I have no idea, I'm not even going to try to, like, so Bore, I don't know if you have the show notes open, but... I do. V-O-E-R-E, Bore, I don't know, but then the next word after that is like a 20-letter word, and it's got letters in there that I've never even seen before. So Vore, Vore makes really, really, really super badass rifles, like long range rifles built on the, uh, uh, originally they were built on a Mauser action, which okay. the Mauser action is like the K98s, the old stuff, uh, like World War II stuff. I had a couple, I, I, I had from my grandfather, Nice. really, really, I mean, and it's, it's Austrian, yeah. uh, but just an incredible, incredible platform. And they make a bunch of different stuff. So yeah, just so you, just the background on Bore. Okay. Well, I don't know what that last, what Bore something, what the last name of their company is called, but you, like you said, it is from Austria, but basically what it looks like is it looks like what you'd get if a bolt action in a Sten gun had a baby. It uses AR mags and they feed from the left side of the receiver rather than the bottom. So this means that if you have a longer mag, it's not going to interfere with, you know, if you're shooting in prone position, it's chambered in 5.56 or 300 blackout, which makes them really great platforms to suppress, especially for bolt guns. It has a modular M-lock foreign with a full length Picatinny rail on top and modular folding stock that has different options for cheek risers and compartments. They have an 18 inch threaded barrel. The stocks come in black, FDE or OG green. It also has a finger stop inside the trigger guard designed by Bore 
which looks interesting. Uh, they recently displayed it at a show in Germany, but they confirmed that it's also coming to the US. There's no word yet on when or how much it will cost, but it definitely looks interesting. And there is a link in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. And now Franklin Armory. Tony, have you ever shot binary triggers? So interesting about the binary trigger is these are, so I, I got to say, I probably, I have, I, I know there was a lot of these things that were being introduced back in the day uh, at like at Bud's, like, cause they would go to Bud's cause Bud's was the first big. So I would, I would say that I did, if this is the, uh, the type of trigger that you just hold it and it's recoil reset, is that, is that what you're talking about? No. And those, they, those aren't really legal right now. We don't talk yeah. about those ones, the force reset binary. What this means is when you press the trigger, it fires around. And then as you're releasing the trigger, it fires another round. So for every time that you press, like, you know, you would do a regular shot instead of firing one round, it would fire two. It's like super addicting. The first time that you do it, you're just like, I mean, it takes a second to get down the cadence and to figure out because you can't just pull the trigger down. It's like a full auto or force reset where it just kind of automatically resets itself and then, you know, just fires multiple rounds. Um, this you really have to pull the trigger and kind of quickly, but and sort of simulate then I don't want to say full auto, but it's the closest thing to sort of full auto that you can do legally. It is so freaking addicting and you go through a ton of ammo very quick because if you're like me and you're determined to like just be really good at it, you're just going to keep doing it until you get it down. That's why I would totally recommend the one that they have for the Ruger 1022 because you're shooting 22 long rifle, which is a lot less expensive than say 5.56 or 9mm. This one is called the 22-C1. And it's on sale right now for $269.99. But remember, if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off. And that is franklinarmory.com. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f Never mind. A-F. The Grinch stole Easter. So police in Birmingham, England are crediting themselves with helping save Easter after a recent theft. Joby Poole admitted to breaking into an industrial unit, attaching a truck to a trailer full of Cadbury cream eggs and driving away. He obviously had foreknowledge of the nearly 200,000 Cadbury eggs in the trailer. The eggs were worth around $40,000 and reportedly were not tampered with so they can still be sold. So as a result, obviously, Easter is saved. The truck he used to pull the trailer was obviously stolen, so he's likely going to be facing additional charges for that. After he cut through the fence, took off with the eggs, police soon caught up with him and he surrendered. The prosecutor said this is clearly an organized criminal matter. You don't just happen to learn about a trailer with that kind of value being available. I hate to say it, but the black market on Cadbury eggs this year is going to be a little short because, you know, like I said, the cops were able to catch him. It would be kind of funny. Can you imagine this happening with like real eggs? I mean, that, that would be, this is the, that would be some value. There'd be some, like a lot more value if it was real eggs with the price of eggs. Now this cracks me up because it's like, you know, it's like, could you imagine the guys from Scott and the yard going, you know, I, uh, we, we, we believe that this is purely <laughs> an inside job that they had previous information leading to these eggs being stolen. Um, 
we know that uh, clearly it was an organized criminal manner. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, because like, you know, Tony Soprano was like, hey, listen, okay. I understand there's a truck, a Cadbury <laughs> egg's going to be out in this parking lot. And uh, what I want you to is use to go up there and do it, cut the fucking fence and go get this thing, right? And pull it out. You know what I mean? It's like, like, it's literally like, like organized crime. And it's what I want to see a picture of the guy. I know, right? Like the guy sitting there with like a chocolate circle around his mouth. I know. <laughs> and he, he looks like, he looks like, what was the guy from uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory? Uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah. My boy Hans is falling in the chocolate. (laughs) I want to see the like the guy standing here all fat, got chocolate all over his shirt, right, and no shoes, and he's just smiling because he don't give a shit because he ate ten thousand (laughs) dollars of the Cadbury eggs, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do two nights in prison. He's like, but it was worth it. And yeah, you stand before the judge and a judge in that long white wig. Yeah. And he's like. Mr. Bradbury, the reason you are here is because you've been found guilty <laughs> of stealing an entire truck of Cadbury eggs. And he's like, yeah, but your honor, have you ever had a Cadbury egg? <laughs> and he's like, taste this, miss. You know? <laughs> uh, you're right. So it's okay, gotta be. You... I just want to be privy to that. I want to be, I, put a camera in that courtroom. I know, That's right? That's where I want to be. I know. It would be your like a... You know, this just, is his first offense. Normally, he's a Reese's guy. Uh, so we, <laughs> it's so crazy. Are you a fan of Cadbury eggs? I mean, yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. Like, literally, I'm trying to like, I'm, I, I'm, gonna, I'm googling this right now because I'm trying to see if like maybe he they got all forty thousand or like, yeah, here's the maybe there's. It. Where are these sitting at in evidence? Yeah, dude, like, that's actually a good I point. Guarantee. Yeah, you go to the you go to the Bradbury Police Department. There's a bunch of freaking really chubby cops, right? And there's now only twenty thousand dollars worth of evidence. The Cadbury eggs they're filled with like that creamy stuff, right? But they now have them with like caramel. There's like that white. Originally, where they it was like the white cream. Yes. Yeah, so there's there's Cadbury eggs which have like so they're chocolate. Yeah, chocolate shell. Yeah. So no, it's chocolate. You got chocolate inside. Oh, so is that yeah, new? Yeah, it's a candy. It's a candy. Sh- it's like a, it's like the English version of an M M&M, and M. But it's creamy bigger. inside. No, no, it's a chocolate. It's a chocolate. Are you sure? Because look, I just googled. I googled images, and it's literally a it's, cream. No, it's a, it's a, it's a chocolate. It's a delightful with a crisp shell. <laughs> delightful milk chocolate eggs with a crisp sugar shell. So you know what I love now, around the Easter. Other ones. Huh? I was going to say, you know what I love around Easter is the Cadbury uh, mini eggs. Well, that too. Yeah. I mean, I can't get enough of that, but that's like year, you know, it's like around the year, but they do now Cadbury does have a cream egg, but the Cadbury. So in this, in this case, it's just regular chocolate eggs. Oh, they stole cream eggs. You are correct. I stand corrected. I was like, man, I was like, this guy's going to tell me he's a fan of the Cadbury cream egg and then doesn't even know that it's cream filling. I I was thinking the Cadbury eggs, which are like what I like, you know, it's like the highfalutin M&M. Yeah. So, and those are super good because the shells. No, dude, you're talking about the mini eggs, the ones that look like little. Yeah. So that I love those. I actually, so my mom, you know, when my mom was alive, like she used to, her and I, we'd fight over those. Like we would stack up on it because obviously it only comes out around Easter. So we would buy a bunch to like last us all year and we just loved them. So I 
now as I get older, you know, I try to cut back on sugar to an extent. It's not really working out so well. But even last night I went to Target and I didn't buy a big bag. I bought like a very small bag of the mini eggs and I still eat them because it reminds me of my mom, but also because they're freaking amazing. So if you guys have not had the mini eggs, there's no cream filling. Definitely check it out. It's amazing. As far as the cream eggs thing go, I don't know the white cream with it looks like there's like something else inside of it. I'm not really a big like creamy fan I don't know. Same thing with Reese's. I don't like Reese's. Like, I think there needs to be more chocolate to peanut butter ratio, but that's just Watch me. your mouth. Yeah, well, <laughs> like I had somebody gave me a Reese's heart for Valentine's Day. That was pretty good because it was more chocolate than peanut butter. But the regular Reese's isn't so great. But well, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I said think- what I said. You said what you said. That's right. I'm yeah, just, just standing by it. We're just going to agree to disagree that you're wrong. All right. We're just going right. to go with that. Yeah. All right. Reese's are Reese's. I well here. Let let me let me clarify. So I'm a big fan of chocolate and peanut butter. Dude, have you had like, a take five? Because that's the ultimate. That's amazing. Dude, you remember PB Max? No. Remember the PB Max bar that was back in the day? Of course, you know you're going to be like, oh, when you came back from World War II. The, uh, <laughs> I'm googling it right now. Yeah, PB like, Max. Yeah, like PB Max. Yeah, remember in Pearl Harbor when we came back from the harbor. Remember, uh, yeah, back when I came off the boat, you know, from Germany. The uh, um, I've never seen this candy bar in my life. The PB Max was like super dope. But my point being is that like I will like I will go buy like Moose Tracks, all those type of any of those ice creams that got like. Like brownies, if brownies don't have pecans or walnuts in it, I'm out. No, like, I love, I love, I mean, I like nuts and things, but I love just like regular brownies. Oh my God. No, nah, man, you got to put, you got to pecans or walnuts in it. That's the shiznit. And then do that and then drizzle peanut butter over the top of it and then bake it. Yeah, bro. See, mm-hmm. that's the thing about it is I'm, I, I like Reese's because I like peanut butter chocolate combination. Like I normally like the, the mini, the mini Reese's cups. Because I think you're, I think the chocolate to peanut butter ratio, you're correct, is more, uh, more balanced. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I don't think we're on the same like sugar level. We're definitely not getting sugar wasted together. I just don't see that happening. I mean, we both like <laughs> sugar, but we just obviously don't have the same taste. So, dude, I'm Italian, so it's not like I can low carb anything. Like, don't <laughs> come to my house and change my last name to Smith. Nope, sorry, you're out. Right. Yeah. I can't. I just do more cardio. I love it. Yeah, dude. Seriously, life is way too short to be like picky about what you eat. Like just eat the damn food and then do the extra setups or whatever. You hey, know? man, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't know if you if you've if you've partaken. I'm a huge fan of Peloton. Oh, I haven't. Oh, I, I, I meet up with it. So I, mean, I, I need to work out with a group. Otherwise, I'm just like, nah, I'm sweating. OK, we're going to call it quits. No, no, no. I'm saying this is the thing about it. Like, you know, like Crystal Dunn's on there. JJ Ricaza's on there. Matt Martini, like all these people, you know, these closet Peloton people. Hmm. Um, The thing about Peloton is I set it up and you, and the thing is their classes online. Like I sit out on the thing and you could do it on it. It's got an app and on the app, it's got yoga. It's got weights. It's got kettlebells. All this is on the app and you can do the app digitally. Like if you're traveling, you can do it on a stationary bike in a hotel. And you got what's funny is that as the instructors are all super high energy. So it's not like you're and they actually have classes in there and it's out of New York. And well, there's they're all over they're all over the United, all over the world, actually. 
they've got studios everywhere, but it's, and I'm not a, like if I, I'm so competitive, like if I go to cycle bar and whoever's the instructor, I'm like, I will die before you beat me. <laughs> like I will like, I'll stand there. Like they'll have to come in and drag me off the bike. Cause my fingers will be curled around the handlebars. I'm like, what up? I'll still go. I'll go. <laughs> right. So the thing I like about Peloton is I get up, I have my athletic greens in the morning, which is big fan of those two. Uh, I have a cup of coffee. I go in there, I get on the bike, I shut the door. I've got a gym in my house. I shut the door. I put on my headphones and I grind hmm. and you can grind for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60, you can do 90 minutes. And, and I get off that and I'm like, that is pound for pound. I mean, and especially it's just such a great workout because there's so much diversity to the programs they offer. You could do a, like a 20 minute hit workout that is just grinding. Like in 20 minutes, you're like, Jesus, or you could do a 90 minute endurance ride where you're like, you're just, just grinding away at a cadence. And like, you literally got a drink, got to eat a banana, like, cause you're just crushing calories and you set up in your house and it hooks up to the internet. Hmm. I mean, it's, I'm a super big fan of, I mean, it's, I would, and I've got the assault runners. I've got assault bikes. I've got all that stuff. I, if I was going to have one thing, one thing I would have a Peloton. Maybe I'll look into this. I'm actually Googling it right now. I'm like, all right, all right, maybe I'm sold. Can you guys like join, you know, like I know like in Mantis, you know, you can create groups and like have friendly competitions. Yeah, all that. Hmm. Yep. You can have, you can, they got hashtags. You can be like, a, you can be in a hashtag group. You can get, and what's really cool about it is like, I do the power zone stuff because I'm gauging performance, mm-hmm. you know, based on it, but you can just go in there and have, they'll have like a nineties rock class. And then they'll play nothing but nineties music for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour. And it's just, and it's super upbeat. They've got DJs that mix everything and you could do it right in your house. Like I get, I, I try to create, I try to, you know, like sensory deprivation. Like, so I remove the dogs barking all stuff. I put on my headphones, I go in there. I got, I'm a big, I'm just telling you right now, you may want to get some of those little cycling shorts. Yeah. Dude, yeah, no, dude, I I totally get it because I did a few cycling classes and I was like, oh my gosh, you are so freaking sore. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I I, I was like looking at the underwear, the padded underwear. (laughs) I was just like, what am I going to do so that I never feel this way again? (laughs) Yeah, when I, I mean, when I go into the room to get on the bike, I literally look like Kung Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) Oh God, I can only imagine. Yeah. And so I get it, but I, I, it's, it's so cool. And what's funny is you can get it, you can get one, they'll deliver it right to your house. You put it together in about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. hook it up to the internet, get online, create an account, and you can start connecting with people. There's mm-hmm. a ton of people. You'd be surprised how many people do it. You could probably get on your and be like, Hey, connect with me here. And all of a sudden you'd be like, bing, 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 bing. And you'll be surprised people that are on Peloton. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, BRB, I got to go order a Peloton. There it is. All right, guys. It's sponsor you. I know, right? Well, I actually just looked up Shields like to see if Shields sells Peloton, but it seems like they sell other brands. Yeah, I've just been a fan of the Peloton because I, I mean I bought it during COVID. Uh-huh. And uh, and I re- I mean I just I I've gotten point and and I again I'm not a you know, I like cycle bar. Like I'll, I'll go to cycle bar too, because mm-hmm. I think anything from that cycling space. Yeah for me is, uh, is pound for pound. Like orange theory fitness is super badass. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hot works is really a good workout. Uh, if you like to operate in 120 degree heat, which, you know, I live in Texas, I, uh, 
I shot the Dragon's Cup last year, and it was in June, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And it was a million degrees. It was up in Odessa, Texas. It was probably 105 degrees with a heat index of 115. And I shot the match in one day. So I shot like 14 stages in one day. Wow. And at the last last two stages, and we had a small squad, so we never stopped, never got in the shade. And I came, I remember I came back from that. I'm like, never effing again. Right. Am I going to be that incapacitated by heat? Yeah. So from, from July through the nationals, I only was at the range from noon till five o'clock. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go in the morning. I wouldn't go late in the evening. I, I was in the smack in the middle of the heat when it was miserable. And just and so I was practice. Like, nope. I was like, you're not getting me again. Not happening. I'm going to be, I'm going to be out here. Like I'm, they're going to be like, Oh, look at Tony. He's an iguana. Yeah. I can stay out there with a half a cup of water and last all day. I'm like, Nope, not doing it. Wow. That's I impressive. Died. Yeah. That's what happened. I actually died. I died. Yeah. All right. It's time to wrap up. You guys can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. If you want to check out my review about the new Smith & Wesson FPC, there's a link to that. If you like the show and you want to support it, consider becoming a Patreon. You could do so by going to gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link. Also, Blown Deadline, he's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon each month. And also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And then King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you're welcome. Really Thank appreciate everything that you're doing. And can you just remind listeners once again, if they want to check out Staccato or let's say they also want to buy one, where can they do that? Uh, so you can go to staccato2011.com. Uh, that's our website. And you can also, while you're on the website, you can check out local uh, retailers in your area. We have a full list of uh, participating uh uh, retail partners, I should say, that are in your area, and you can select one of those retail partners. Many of our retail partners have guns in stock. You can also do is you can order on our website and send it to that local retail partner that you have close to you. Any questions or anything like that, we have a ton of information, ton of videos on our website. You can also reach out to myself or other members on our, our social media channels, and we'll respond back to you pretty quick. We also have a very, very dedicated and committed team in our customer experience. Awesome. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.